G'day and welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. You can listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rig Roadshow and via podcast on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. Search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast and hit subscribe. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. Major podcast sponsor, NTI, nti.com.au. Well, here we are. We've all made it into 2021. Happy New Year, everyone. To kick off the new year, Mike has a chat with Cam Dumsney from the Western Roads Federation. Mike and I have a yarn about the state of the nation, border closures and more, plus all the latest news and some more great music from the lovely Caroline Taylor Knight. Let's get this party started. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. G'day everyone, it's Mick here and we're on the road for the start of the new year and I've got Cam Dumsney with me from the Western Roads Federation. He's the Chief Executive, he's published a whole heap of stuff. We could talk for an hour or more, but we're not going to have time for that. Cam, how you going mate? How's this COVID thing treating you? Know, tell me you've been for a pretty big drive in the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, look, I just went for a bit of a country drive over to, you know, based here in Perth. I've seen mum for 12 months and she's in Shepparton, so we'll do a little drive over, which we did. Did that in about two and a half days. Got a couple of hours with mum and then the announcement came out that they're going to shut the WA border. So we're back again. We left Tuesday morning and we're back by Friday night. 7,000 Ks, four nights on the road, swagging. Ah, life's good. You can't get any better than that. <laughs> I used to do it every week, mate, in a beat hole. <laughs> I know how hard it is to do what you've just done, I'll tell you what. Yeah. And I had the second driver to help me. I hope you had someone to share the driving with, mate. Oh, uh, yeah, did the other half drive, but she's got a lousy choice of music, so <laughs> trying to keep that fairly short. Oh, no, that's painful when you're with someone that doesn't share the same music as you. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what it is, it's pretty awful. All right, mate, so... I've had a bit of a read through the mountain of stuff that you've published and the input that you've had over there in the West on things. I've been talking historically to Glenn Stirl and a few others, and we're talking about shortages of drivers and the skills issues and all the rest of it. And I stumbled across a piece here that you wrote in 2019 where you talk about, do we have a shortage of skilled drivers or just a failed training system? You recall that article, do you, mate? Uh. Yeah, probably it's something I've been hammering away at for a fair time. Mate, I'll tell you what, it's something worth hammering away at too. You guys had a bit of an issue over there with a registered training provider who wasn't quite doing the right thing, didn't you? Uh, yeah, we did. And they were basically just 
ticking and flicking licenses and handing them out. Yeah. And that ultimately what happened is they fortunately government got onto it and shut it down. But you can't do that. Yeah. You're putting dangerous people on the road. It's not a danger just to them. It's danger to everybody else, particularly other drivers. Well, it is one of the biggest issues in transport. If I get out on the road and I'm talking on the UHF to guys, one of the first things that they'll say is that we need to sort out this driver training issue. Yeah. And Ausroads have decided to kick the can down the road yet again late last year. Mate, where are we going to go with this? How would you suggest that we solve the problem? Firstly, we just ignore what Ausroads have done. They've just kicked the can down the road. I've got no words for that, just frustrated. So what we're doing is this. The first problem is the licensing. What we do at the moment is we pay a driver training company and all they really do is they teach the driver how to steer the truck. Mm -hmm. And then, in our case, that's under the Department of Transport, they do the licensing, but that teaches you how to steer it. The second part then is your load restraint and the other qualifications you do. Well, that's under a different department. And you don't have to have those qualifications in order to get your truck license. Yeah. So number one, you know this stuff. You know it better than I do. You've got a license. Then you've got to have your qualifications, load restraint, chain responsibility, all that other stuff you've got to know. Hmm. Then there's a whole stack of stuff that isn't taught that you'd need to know, like the regulations from main roads regarding which road combinations, all that stuff, size, limits. They don't teach that. You're just meant to assume you know it. Hmm. So that's got to be taught. Then we drivers need to know a bucket load of stuff. Changing tyres, maintaining the truck. You know, you put an idiot like me back in the truck, and bear in mind, my dad was a heavy vehicle mechanic. Something would make a noise. I used to just turn the radio up. I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> no. But if you're in the middle between, say, Mika Thara heading north, and suddenly something starts rattling, well, you've got to be able to give the mechanic a bit of an idea of what the problem is. Yeah. You've got to have that sort of knowledge. You've got to know how to look after yourself on the road. Hmm. There's just so much stuff. So we're saying, well, all of that needs to be put together. You know, and I'm a great believer that we actually need to have transport recognised as a trade, and we've got to work towards that. Yep. We've got to start to have an end-to-end training system because go back to the days, I'll come up to you and say, hey, Mick, I've got an MC licence, I want to work for you. Yep. First thing you're going to ask me is, what experience have you got? Mm-hmm. And I'll go, no, I've got my licence, though. Are you going to give me, chuck me the set of keys for, you know, something's probably worth a million bucks with, you know, three trailer sets on the back plus prime Well, and tell me to go run up the Kandanara and back? Trust me to do it. You wouldn't be my first choice, I've got to be honest. <laughs> you should see now I drive a truck, I wouldn't definitely be your first choice. <laughs> what frustrated me as a small business owner, yeah. and I was at one point in time, was that you would take the risk of taking someone on without much experience. Yeah. And then you'd go to the expense of paying for the minor learning mistakes that they may have along the way. Yeah. And then they would go and leave you for a cent more yeah. or a new cab over Kenworth. Yeah. And all that time and investment you've put in, you're not getting back. Now, that's always been an issue in the game. I'm not saying I was unique in suffering that. I'm sure that every person that owns a truck and is employed a driver out there will have at least one instance in their memory bank of where that's happened. And the problem that we've got, Cam, is that there is no one out there that's training blokes anymore. It costs too much. The insurance is too much. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're getting these imports now. You've nailed it, I reckon. You're dead right. So if you come back, look, I was in the Army. I was in it for 18-odd years. Mm. 
unfortunately, I'm out of it, so Australia's a lot safer now that I've got <laughs> nothing to do with it. But for every year I was trained, I was obligated to pay that year back. So I was trained through the old Dunter and the old officer factory. They were pretty desperate at the time. Yep. So I did four years there. I had to pay them back four years plus another year. Yep. So I had to pay them back five years. So that was my return back to them for their investment in me. I don't see a problem with that. You go and put on as a small business, you basically train somebody up, you've made money. There should be some form of return of service from that person to you. You've got to get your money back. Otherwise, no one's going to invest in training. Yeah. I was talking to uh, Murray Lay out at MLG at Kalgoorlie there the other week. Yeah. And Murray said to me, well, I asked Murray the question yeah. about how much it costs to put someone in a quad to the point where that they can be safely let loose on the general public. And he agreed with Heather Jones from up north, and the figure is about 20 grand a man. I reckon that's underestimate, but Murray's a good bloke. I'd back his judgment. Yeah. Yeah, 20, grand, 20 grand's a lot of money. Well, it is. It's a lot of money when you're taking the bet that this person is going to remain committed to you for a little while. Yeah. We'll be back for the rest of this great chat right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. It's a lot of faith to put in someone to hand them a set of keys to some of the huge equipment that you guys run over there in the West. Yeah. The same as it's a huge commitment over here. But the problem with it is is that a small carrot dangled in front of a young bloke's nose, or I say a young bloke, I mean, I'm, I need to be more inclusive. I mean, a young driver's nose. Yeah. And it's not very hard to lure them away. There is no guarantee of your return. And unfortunately, I think the insurance companies have got a little bit to answer for as well. I've had several conversations with various insurance people and thanks NTI who sponsor the show have opened a lot of doors to me. Yeah. But the guys that insure the trucks aren't the ones that are worried about the passengers. It's the work cover insurers that are worried about the passengers, the public liability insurers that are worried about the passengers. Yeah. So the days of taking the young bloke in the truck with you on the school holidays are pretty much over for a lot of us. I honestly think that's part of the problem as well, Cam. Yeah, look, it, look, it is. You know, look, my old man, as I said, despite my unpronounceable surname, we, you know, we've been here since the 1850s. Yeah. You know, I used to go with the old bloke, he was servicing heavy vehicle equipment and plant equipment on the roads through the Wimmera there. Mm. So at a four and five-year-old, I'd go with Dad and I'd take the old Kool-Aid in the Willow Thermos and I'd sit underneath a pathetic-looking gum tree while he serviced trucks and got bitten on the backside by the lance. <laughs> that was my day's entertainment. Awesome. I might admit it wasn't particularly encouraging for me to become a mechanic either. <laughs> but you come back to your point, though. Why is it that we can put a 20-year-old in a $100 million fighter jet, <laughs> right, yeah. but we can't put a bloke or a girl behind a road trainer until they're 25? 
Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> well, the difference is we train one. Yeah. So that 20-year-old is trained from the time they're 18 to, you know, about 20. They're trained, and we can whack them in a $100 million fighter jet. Yep. So let's say we could take a 17, 18-year-old into our industry, and let's say an apprentice or a trainee, use whatever term you want to use, and we as an industry train them properly under some course and they get experience, why can't they have an MC licence by the time they're 21? And I put that to the Department of Transport over here. Yeah. And they said, well, we can get a course up. I can't see any problem why we can't do that. So I've spoken to NTI and, and others and said, hey, listen, if we did this, would you look at it? And they're going, yeah, we'll look at that. Yeah. So if we're going to start, look, if I'm an 18-year-old and I've got a choice, I go into the transport industry and I'll start in WA, I start making real money when I'm driving a road train. Yep. That's seven years' time. My mate who's going to be a bricklayer starts his apprenticeship. Now, he's finished his apprenticeship by the time he's 21. You'll have a Malu ute hotted up with all the accessories that you desperately need at 21 years old. That's right. And he's getting paid a full wage. Hmm. And I'm still four years away before I can get to an MC. Yeah. So we've got to get back to how can we get young people into our industry with a proper training thing. And that's what we've been looking at. So there is people prepared to look at it. The problem is we as an industry have got to work out, well, what do we want in that training package? I like the analogy that you put there in the story that you were, we were talking about before where you, you did talk about 1940s Britain and I've actually got that highlighted in front of me. Yeah. And you say that they were running out of pilots. Yeah. So they start putting new pilots behind the wheel, so to speak, and with 10 hours flying time, sending them out to meet the enemy and they were dying at horrific rates and yep. bending the equipment, doing normal things. Yeah, exactly. It's an analogy I've used actually with light planes and, and Qantas jets, you know, we're getting blokes over here on the East Coast who are getting their HR license and then spending 12 months later getting an HC, heavy combination license, in a couple of days. And if they want to pay the money, four grand or so, they can have an MC license pretty much guaranteed in four days. Yeah. And they've hardly done a K behind the wheel. They don't know any of the other stuff, as you said. Nothing about logbooks, nothing about regulations, nothing about load restraint, nothing about trip planning. Yeah. They're going and getting jobs for agencies and getting behind the wheel of multi-million dollar pieces of gear and going up the road, and then we scratch our head when they stick it in the trees. I don't understand. No, I'm with you. And we're in a situation over here because like WA, we haven't had COVID two or 230-odd days since there's been a local case in WA. Mm. So... The economy over here is pumping. You know, mining, iron ore is just booming. Yep. Gold's up. Other resources are all pumping along. And we're running out of drivers. Yep. So people start getting desperate because a lot of people who actually have a HR license or a HC license, but no experience. Yep. So traditionally, no one would employ them. Yep. But now I'm desperate. It's a little bit like the Battle of Britain thing. <laughs> I'm desperate. We'll shove them behind the wheel. Yep. Well, that's a danger to them. It's a danger to the equipment. But above all, it's a danger to every other driver on the road. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to fix is trying to do it properly. But the other thing we have in our industry that I still don't have an answer on, I can't finalise how we're going to do it. But in WA, I think ballpark, there's 100,000 people roughly to some form of HR above licence. Yep. Of that, half of the drivers with those licences aren't actually professional transport drivers that's right one of my cousins over east he's got a an excavator if you ask him what he is he's an excavator driver yeah but he also has his own float and prime mover to pull it around with yeah i said to him about the trucking rules he said what trucking rules i said these ones 
use some other words to describe him. <laughs> and he goes, what the hell should I need to know about that, mate? I drive excavators. Yep. I said, mate, you drive a truck. Yeah. The problem we have as an industry is that if there's an accident and somebody sees a truck involved, yep. they don't go, hey, that was a professional truck driver. Yep. If it's a float driver, they class him as a truck driver, but they don't see themselves that way. Yeah. Mate, that's a whole can of worms that we really don't have time to open. <laughs> no, it's not. But it is for us over here yep. because the farmers over here also drive road trucks. Yep. A lot of farmers. Hmm. And they don't see the truck driving rules as necessarily having to apply to them. Yep. But it is it is an issue. It is an issue. Well, I've got a bit of breaking news for you, mate. What's that? I'm out of isolation? No, 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 no. You're going to have another experienced road train operator in the West in a couple of months? Who's that? Me. Oh, excellent, mate. We'll catch up from Floppy. <laughs> I've got trouble with it is I've got to find myself a good job. Now, I've got a young bloke that lives over there in Perth that we haven't seen for a good while and a couple of grandchildren there we haven't seen for a good while. And oh, yeah. We were all set up to come over and then you guys shut the border. And Mum got pretty sad about it and I got pretty sad about it. And I said, well, the only way we're going to do this is we're going to have to go to Western Australia for a few years, mate. So we're coming. Look out. Uh, look, mate, and, and congratulations for doing it. <laughs> and you'll find that moving from the third world over here to the developed nations is actually pretty good. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to go waving the logbook goodbye, mate. You guys have got a different set of rules over there to what I'm used to running by. Uh, we've got pragmatic rules. Yeah. We just work on being practical. Yeah. yeah, I'm no fan of your logbook system, I'll be honest. <laughs> That's another can of worms we haven't got time for, mate. Yeah. It's been great to have you on the show. I'd love to catch up with you again because there is so much more stuff we can talk about, things that you've written and things that you've participated in. I do appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you again down the track. Thanks very much, Mick. I look forward to catching up with you when you come over here. It'll be good. It'll cost you a beer, mate. Uh, I'll happy to play a couple. <laughs> <laughs> good on you. Keep it safe, mate, and I'll see you on the road. Hey everyone, Kermie here. Hope you're travelling well, staying safe and on the right side of the white line, by which of course I mean the left. I also hope you're tuning in to the On The Road podcasts with Mike and Andy, because if you're not, two things will happen. One, you'll be missing out on some great interviews, a good few laughs, and what's generally going on out there in truck land. Uh, what's the other thing? Ah, that's it. You won't have heard this plug for On The Road. Hmm. Okay then, so, those of you who are already on here, go and tell your mates about On The Road. They can find it on Spotify or iTunes at On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. But you knew that, didn't you? Because you're already... Yeah, look, just go and sell them, okay? Cheers and take care of you. This is Caroline Taylor-Knight and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy on the Big Rig Road Show. This is my song, Bring It On, from my album, Me Again.
News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Hi Mike, Happy New Year mate. Happy New Year to you, Happy New Year to the listeners and the sponsors and everyone else who's interested. Let's kick off 2021 mate. Speaking of which, have you made any resolutions we all should know about? Well, <laughs> I'm going to be the same outspoken SAB that you all know and love. So there you go. <laughs> if I haven't offended you yet, stand by, mate. I will get to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Join the queue. <laughs> all right, mate. Hey, listen, you interviewed Lyndall Denny from Women in Tracking Australia a couple of episodes ago. News to hand that they've just taken out one of South Australia's most coveted awards. They have Women in Trucking Australia, of which I'm actually wearing the shirt as we speak because they sent me this lovely shirt. Mm. Women in Trucking Australia has taken out the South Australian Jones Hartley Tool Community Road Safety Award at the recent Community Achievement Awards in Adelaide. Right. There were over 200 nominations. Women in Trucking Australia won the accolade from a very strong field of community contributors. Lyndall is a very hard worker within transport and really doing something that I think is very, very important. Mm. But I love Lyndall. I reckon she's fantastic, and she's doing something that's really important and needs to be done. I congratulate them wholeheartedly on the award that they've received. And it's not the first one either. They've won a couple now. Yeah, and rightly so too. They do great work. And we're looking forward to some more road safety ads that they're going to do. Those ads are out there on YouTube. People should get and have a look at some of the ads that they did last year mm. with the NHVR funding because I'll tell you what, they're pretty good and they should be shared around. Let people have a bit of a look. Yeah, for sure. Now, mate, rather concerningly, I see that the ACCC has issued a safety recall notice for Western Star trucks fitted with DD15 Detroit diesels, which was sold in Australia from the 1st of January 2010. They did. Now, we've had a bit of a fuel issue there with some of those trucks. ACCC have recalled the trucks, as you say, Western Star trucks fitted with the Detroit DD-15s, sold between January 1st, 2010 through to the 30th of November 2020. have got the fuel leak issue. If you've bought a truck, a new one in that time with one of those engines fitted, perhaps it might be a good idea. If you haven't heard already, get on to Detroit and see if you can sort it out. Now, Detroit have always had a bit of a reputation for leaking things, but it was usually oil on my driveway with the old uh, 892, mate. So, mm -hmm. I don't know, never fuel before. So, it is a safety issue. Get onto it and have a bit of a look. The phone number for Western Star is, wait for it, 07327177777. And get onto them and get your recall attended to. Absolutely, yeah. Fuel leaks is not something you mess about with. No, they're not. Yeah. And, mate, the NHVR has approved a fourth electronic work diary option for recording drivers' work and rest hours. Yes, this is just one of these things now. The EWD thing seems to be something that's really picking up steam. Mm. Been a lot, a lot, a lot of conversation about all this. So we've got EWDs by Step Global, Teletrack Navman, Netstar Australia, and now the Garmin Fleet Series, which will be able to be used from January 11th. So for those who aren't familiar with what an, an EWD is, it's an electronic work diary, and it basically replaces the paperwork diary we've been using. Mm. Now, there are a number of issues with the electronic work diaries, which I've highlighted in stuff that I've written. But one of the biggest problems that we've got with electronic work diaries at the moment, and we're going to have to have a talk about it at some length, is the portability 
of the work diaries between workplaces. That's going to be something that is going to become an issue and it's something that's started to be talked about and I'm thinking I might have to write a bit about that and we'll have a bit of a chat about that down the track because it is going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. Could be something to talk about. It sure will, mate. There are people talking about it already. Last year we talked about the upcoming Burrum Buttock Hay Run. I had a laugh because I love the word Burrum Buttock. <laughs> it's a great word, isn't it? <laughs> Apparently, the organisers have reluctantly had to postpone the run due to COVID concerns. One could say it's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Farrell, better known to many as Bumper, has made the tough decision to postpone the annual Australia Day Hay Run due to COVID-19 related concerns. He's got a bit emotional in the video that he's done for his many Facebook. But as he says, he has a duty of care mm. and... You know, is the Hay Run founder. The whole thing is huge. It's one of those things that's got widespread community support. And, you know, even though we do want to get up there and support you know, farmers and you know, get a bit of that feed up there and, and do what Bumper does best, we do have to think about the broader effects on the community. And I, you know, I understand that he's made a pretty tough decision. He's, up, he's not happy with it, but, you know, it will go ahead. It's just a matter of when. So he says to all the suppliers, sponsors, mechanics, Everyone who's put their hand up to come up on the run, thanks, and just hang on for a couple of months and we'll see how it goes. And I think that's you know, the sort of response that you'd expect to see, given that we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. All right, mate, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for that. Let you get back to work. I've got to go and do a bit, mate. I'm heading back out west again and a long way to go and a short time to get there, but that's a, that's a trucking song, I think. Give our regards <laughs> to Cobar. Oh, we will. Okay, right. good on you. Cheers, mate. That's right. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, find out how Seeing Machines Guardian can safeguard your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers. Visit www.seeingmachines.com Hey, Mike. How are you, buddy? What's going on? Not a lot. You're out and about working, so I don't want to keep you too long. But I just thought, while you're out there doing what you do and do so well, mm. a lot of people are talking about and asking questions about all these border closures. How are you finding it out there? Oh, mate, I'll tell you what. I haven't personally been caught up in it too much because the company that I work for, we've got depots in every state, so mm. we sort of can manage things a little bit so not all of us get trapped in it. But Mate, when the border closed over the Christmas break there, I reckon I had, well, at least 20 phone calls and messages from people mm. telling me that they were stuck in the border closures and all that sort of stuff. And, I, and it got me thinking about the lack of foresight that's gone into this. There's a broader subject here, and you think about accidents that happen on the highway and the amount of time people get held up in all those sort of things. And so I wonder about what are the standard operating procedures to deal with all these sort of things and minimise the delays. And I've got to tell you, mate, I don't think there are any. 
It's looking that way. You know, every which way you turn, people are just complaining and quite rightly so, I guess, but there's a lot of inconvenience. It's not just for the trucks, for people trying to get home. Yeah. Cam Dumsdale was talking to the other day, Hmm. drove over from Perth to Shepparton to visit his mum, was there for two hours and heard the news that the borders were going to be closed. Yep. He had to jump in his car and drive back to WA, which, you know, is no mean achievement. A, you've got to make the snap decision to do it, and then you've got to go ahead and do it. Mm. I know of one person who left their car in the airport at Brisbane and caught a plane back to Melbourne good, good. because they didn't have time to drive down there. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a decision that would be tough to make. Would be. And there are there was story after story after story, and I encountered people that were doing their best to head south and get through the borders before they shut. Now, I've got to wonder, they're rushing to get there, we're saying, you know, every two hours, take a rest, rest, revive, survive, and all that sort of stuff for the people driving cars and things. But the government created a circumstance where people, they weren't forced, you can't say forced, mm. but were put in a position where they perhaps made decisions that they wouldn't ordinarily make, doing things like driving long distances they wouldn't ordinarily do. And to me, I think that we got out of it without a disaster, but that was more good luck than good management. Yeah. And then, of course, you mix that in with the professional drivers who are trying to do their work and then getting caught in these queues. I believe, I've got no trouble believing either. From some of the photos I saw, people were sending me photos and things like that. Four hours, five hours to get through the border back into Victoria from New South Wales. The actual town of Albury, the streets were blocked up. It was just a nightmare for everyone. And no forethought went into it, just a snap decision that someone who's not caught in the traffic makes. Mm. You know, I wonder what happens to people with medical issues? What happens to the kids with the bathroom break? Anyone needing a bathroom break caught in a traffic jam like that? Yeah. What happens if you need a meal? What happens if you're just absolutely shattered and you need to have the rest, but you know that the time runs out at midnight and if you're not there, then you miss out? Yeah. I, I, I just Yeah. I heard somewhere that they were recommending that people that were travelling south down through New South Wales into Victoria limit themselves to two fifteen minute break stops on the way. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. I mean one of the things that we talk about taking risks on the road and fatigue and you know, speeding and all that sort of stuff, those circumstances are specifically designed to get people to drive while they're tired and exceed the speed limit. Yep. And I would question the rationale behind any decision that causes those, you know, people would call them unforeseen side effects. It's not unforeseen. If you've got half a brain, you can think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And it horrified me, horrified me when I heard about what was happening, horrified me to the point where I made some phone calls to try and highlight different people uh, what was happening. And I got some interesting phone calls back from people who were trying to work with it. Mm. But as I've said, there's a whole parallel discussion. If you look at what happens on a regular basis, accidents on the M1 motorway, for example, between Newcastle and Sydney, it's not uncommon that there's a major accident on that piece of road sometimes, particularly holiday weekends and things like that. There are contraflows built into that highway so that they can divert traffic onto the other side, but no one seems to do it. They let the traffic sit there. Now, I wonder, and I'm going to get onto the highway patrol or someone or a spokesman from the New South Wales Police Department, see if we can't find out why they don't put a contraflow in place when those things exist. All it would take is one highway patrol car at one end with the disco lights on, one at the other, cross over here, drive along there and go up there and keep the traffic going. Yeah. You know, not have people sit there for hours on end frustrated 
And then the other people that don't control their frustration well, trying to zip around the back roads yeah, and, yeah. you know, ultimately going like mad things when they do get past whatever the incident is. It's craziness. It is. You were saying there it, it's hard to understand why it hasn't been sorted. I mean, it's been such a long time now that we've known that we're facing this. Mm. Do you think it's got a lot to do with the fact that each of the states themselves are controlling their own borders? Do you reckon it would be solved if we had a national overseer, if you like, of it that just basically said, well, here's the rules and this covers all the borders? Well, it would be nice if we had one person that was making the decision or one body that was making the decision. Mm. But unfortunately, that's... Now, everyone knows that these things need to happen. I mean, this is the way that our society is going at the moment. Now, whether you agree with the border closures or whether you don't, whether you agree with the government's response or whether you don't, and I'm on record from a long time with my positions quite clear, but put my position aside, this is the way it is. And what frustrates me, and I think frustrates a lot of professional drivers, frustrates anyone that actually thinks about it, is the lack of forethought and planning that has gone into these things. And, and I believe it is because we've got this disjointed approach. Yeah. Yeah, we don't seem to have learned from our mistakes yet. Well, we don't learn from our mistakes. You've only, <laughs> it's not rocket science. You know, anyone that's out here on the road knows what happens. And, you know, we see it from the wheel every day. We're speed limited, we do our 100 kilometres an hour, we get out, we try and overtake someone and we'll be out on the third lane on the motorway on the M5 or something like that. Someone will come up along behind you and because we've held them up for five seconds, they'll make the mad dash into the left-hand lane, accelerate at 125 and get in front of you mm. and pull into the lane in front of you and tap the brakes. Yep. I mean, it's craziness, the things that people do out there. And I think it just adds to the craziness when people make decisions, which, as I say, cause these delays, which cause the frustration, which cause the silliness. And you know, there's a lot of reasons why the silliness happens, but I just question why you would put something into play when you know that there's going to be silliness caused by it. For sure. There's one further little thing about this. Mm. Professional drivers with their logbooks and the time they have to account for their time, and if they're sitting there in a traffic queue, they're not resting. Yep. And it's all very well for to say, oh, well, we'll just get another driver to come out and pick it up when you run out of hours. Owner drivers can't do that. They've got no one to come and help. They're on their own. Mm. Small companies, small fleets can't do it because they don't have the resources to do it. Yep. So you can't tell me, knowing transport the way I do, that there weren't a lot of guys that bent a few rules there the other week. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, and of course, now we've got the whole electronic logbook argument coming into it. Yeah. I mean... That would have just been a debacle. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, mate, I'll, I'll leave you with those thoughts. I'm just glad you opened that can of worms. Oh, yeah, very much so. And I, mate, I, I do appreciate that you are literally on the road at the moment. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Get your hands back onto that gorgeous Pearlcraft steering wheel and roll on. <laughs> <laughs> I love this thing, mate. It's a thing of beauty. Really? You hadn't mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, mate. Keep it safe. Copy you later. Righto, ta Well, that brings us to the end of another On The Road show. We hope you enjoyed it. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. For all your transport insurance needs, visit the website at nti.com.au. 
For more On The Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, offer suggestions or just let us know what's on your mind, send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode On The Road. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech, and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions.